ברוך חי ברוך הגבר, אשר יפתח בשם, והויו והויו אשר, והויו אשר יפתח הוי. ברוך חי ברוך הגבר, אשר יפתח בשם, והויו והויו Hello and welcome to Praying on Purpose. How would you describe the optimal prayer experience? If I would ask you to offer certain definitional descriptions, perhaps suggest the parameters by which we can construct, at least in our mind's eye, what the perfect setting for prayer for davening for tefillah is, my guess is that each and every one of us would offer our own perspectives. We would bring our own experiences, our own personalities, our own proclivities, and with that we would go ahead and construct what we would think would sort of be the perfect, optimal setting for prayer. The reality is, as we have discussed several times, that there is within our discussions of prayer a constant tension between creating something which is, on the one hand, perhaps first and foremost, an avodah shabalev, something which is personal, something which is meaningful, something which allows me as an individual the opportunity to engage in a dialogue with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but at the same time, to fit within a larger picture, a mizgeret which is defined by halacha, by tradition, and one in which we pay close attention to examples, to the models of prayer that have preceded us for many, many centuries. I think that it is possible that if we take a close look at the beginning of this week's Parsha, Parsha's bow, we find an interesting conversation between Paro and Moshe Rabbeinu, which may reveal to us a little bit of a similar type of tension. Parsha's bow begins with the Torah describing the final stand, if you will, between Moshe and Paro, Paro who has been incredibly resistant to giving in to the demands of Moshe Rabbeinu, Paro who, until this point, has been incredibly stubborn and cold-hearted, comes to a point where he realizes that he must give in to some of the demands of Moshe Rabbeinu. And the parsha begins with the servants of Paro complaining to him and saying, Ad Masai yezalanu l'mokesh, how much longer? Will these people continue to be a snare for us? Go ahead and just let these people go already. Let them serve their God. The servants of Paro say, we can't take this anymore. Please, they beg with Paro, let them go. And so therefore, Paro calls Moshe and Aaron back to him. And he says to them, Go ahead. You have asked for it, go ahead. Take your people and serve Hashem your God. And then Paro says, but I have one question. Me, vami hohochim. Just remind me, who's going with you? Tell me who you will be taking with you into the desert to serve your God. Vayomer Moshe, and Moshe says, binareinu uvizkeneinu neilech. We are going to go with our youngsters and with our elders. Bivaneinu uvivnoseinu. We are going to be taking our children, our sons and our daughters. Bitsoneinu vivkareinu neilech. We're even going to be taking our animals, because this is a festival to God. And Paro says, absolutely not. He says, this is ridiculous. I've never heard of such a thing. He says, You can go ahead and take the men if you want, and serve God, because the truth of the matter is, that's really what you want. We all know, says Paro to Moshe, what you really want is to serve God with the men. No need to take everyone else with you. So this conversation ends. Paro refuses to accept Moshe's demands to take the entire people out to the desert to serve God, 
And as such, the Torah says, Vayigare Shosam Me'es Pinei Paro. He forces them to leave the palace. And so that's it. Whatever attempts there were at diplomacy at this point in time fail. And these negotiations, if you will, completely come to an end. Now on the surface, what seems to be happening over here is that Moshe and Paro are arguing purely on a logistical level. The Paro says to Moshe, who will you be taking with you, imagining and hoping that it would be relatively few people? And Moshe responds, no, we're going to take everybody with us. And Paro says, no, it can't be. And so ends the negotiation. But perhaps on a deeper level, what's happening over here is that they are having almost sort of an ideological debate. That Paro says to Moshe, okay, you want to go ahead and serve your God. So who from among your people are going to be an essential part of that process? Who is really needed in order to actually serve God institutionally, communally? And he says, really, we know that all you need is Hagvarim, the men. And I think it's possible that although Hagvarim means literally the men, it may be referring to a specific population of men. Maybe Paro was saying to Moshe, listen, take the priests, take certain individuals who are among, if you will, the spiritually elite. After all, they're the individuals who we know are most necessary, essential, instrumental, if you will, in serving God. But there's no reason for you to go ahead and request, There's no reason for you to take the men, the women, the children, the older people, the younger people. There's no reason for that. And Paro actually says to Moshe, Ru'u kira neged penechem. He says, that is a terrible mistake. Such a religious design is destined to fail. If your God is really so omnipotent and powerful, so what place is there for a simpleton, if you will, for just a regular person who does not necessarily have the same sophistication and a person who is not necessarily among the spiritually elite? What does such a person have to offer when connecting with HaKadosh Baruch and Moshe basically says to Paro, that's not the way it is going to work for us. Our model of serving God is one in which there is a collective, that the entire Jewish people, everyone, comes together and we unite together and we offer our prayers to God as one collective unit. It is true that there may be people among us who perhaps are, if you will, better positioned It could be that there are people among us who are more learned and perhaps have exercised a bit more some of their spiritual muscles, enabling them to really, really connect with God in a meaningful way. But ultimately, Moshe says to Paro, that's not our vision of service of God. Prayer, the whole concept of tefillah, if you will, tefillah, but tzibor, is one in which the entire community comes together. Binarenu uvizkenenu nelech, bivanenu uvivnosenu. We bring everyone together. That is the way we serve God. Paro could not understand this. He couldn't relate to it. He rejected it entirely. But Moshe insisted that if we are going to serve our God, it is going to be on those terms. And I think if we step back from this for a moment and just think about this conversation, this tension, if you will, that is playing out between Moshe and Paro, it mirrors to a certain extent some of the tension that we sometimes feel when we come to shul. Something that I have heard quite a lot of, and frankly, I experienced personally, is that during the first months of the pandemic, almost three years ago, hard to believe, in which we were forced to daven biachidus. We were forced to basically daven at home. And suddenly, a, an experience which, at least for many of us, was always within a certain given context, within the structured confines of davening betzibur, and all that that entails, suddenly 
we were forced into a position where we were davening from a place of, of solitude, perhaps together with the members of our family, but it was a very, very different experience. For many of us, maybe most of us, we yearned to be able to return to that place where we could come back to shul and we could be together with other people and we could serve God but at the same time, many of us, and I dare say perhaps most of us, also were able to appreciate and to taste, to experience something at home, and while the circumstances were certainly not ideal, which gave us a little bit of a glimpse of a different type of service of God. We were able to experience davening from a different vantage point. Some individuals perhaps have preferred to remain in that space. And I'm not really going to address that directly at this particular point in time, but it just needs to be noted. We need to acknowledge the fact that it would seem that there are individuals, men and women, who have chosen to daven, not necessarily exclusively, but more often than they would have beforehand um, at home or perhaps in a less formal prayer setting. And like I said, right now, I don't really want to focus on that particular choice. I think it's something that really requires a more extensive conversation. But I think at the very least we should acknowledge that there is a tension over here, and I think the tension is a good one. One in which we realize that while it is true that the optimal prayer experience is one which is a communal one, one in which we come together as a large group of people, as we've referenced before, ideally, many people coming together in large numbers, one in which we can hear a very, very meaningful, immersive cult tefillah, a sound of tefillah, which is something that can inspire us and lift us, in addition to the metaphysical benefits of being able to come to a tzibor and offer our prayers as being sort of a collective prayer, rather than relying on my own personal merits and standing. But at the same time, there is something very compelling. There is something very meaningful. There is something which is very powerful about having the opportunity to stand before God alone. And I wonder if there is a way that we can perhaps try to achieve both. Can we think creatively as individuals, first and foremost, I'm not talking about suggesting any radical reforms, but can we think, can we imagine of ways that we can come together in shul and stand together with other people, but at the same time create within our space and perhaps more importantly within our minds and within our heart a feeling that I am standing as an individual before God. That at the moment that we conclude Berchus Kriya Shema, and there is a still silence that falls upon the entire room. And I say the words, Hashem, at that moment, I could sort of retreat inward and engage in an experience which is much more personal and much, much more intimate. Is it possible to achieve both? I think the answer is yes. It may require each and every individual having an honest conversation with themselves. Is this the best place for me to daven? Is this minion the most conducive one for me? Is it helpful for me to sit next to these individuals? And it may require, you know, at least in the short term, making some changes in one's schedule, in one's planning. But I do believe that if we are thoughtful about it and if we are committed to the process, it definitely is possible to go ahead and to create a setting, create a place in which we are able to come together in which we are able to go ahead and create this real communal, immersive experience, but at the same time, it doesn't have to come at the cost of me feeling as if I am an individual standing before God. I could feel 
I could see myself as being one single individual. And I can tell you, at moments in which I was most successful in prayer, and like everybody, there are ups and downs, there are moments in life in which I have been able to feel a more natural sense of connection, and other moments in which I struggle a little more, you know, to, if you will, to, to find that reception. And that's normal. That's all part of the process. But when I think back at moments in which my tefillah was in a very, if you will, good place, so I know that I was able to achieve a state of mind and being in which I was in a room with many other people, but I forgot that anyone was standing next to me. I distinctly recall moments in time in which the shliach tzibu would start the chazar sashat, and I didn't hear him. I didn't hear the voice. I didn't hear the people standing next to me reciting Baruch Hu Amen, because at that moment I had become so successfully immersed in my own tefillah. It is possible. It is possible. The fact that it doesn't come naturally to many of us doesn't necessarily mean that the system is flawed. It just means that we need to be more thoughtful and more creative about the how to create that optimal prayer experience, one in which we are able to be in the benefit of surrounded by many others, in which we are able to tap into the energy of Tefillah B'Tzibor, but at the same time create an experience that is truly personal and meaningful. And so in conclusion, I present this morning as a challenge. I recognize that I have not offered much in the way of solutions today. That's okay. I will be able to come back to this and suggest practical solutions as to how we can achieve this goal. But at the very least, to sort of name the problem, to sort of describe this tension and give us a goal that we hope that we should be able to come to a place in which we can combine the best of both worlds, in which we can come together as a tzibor and at the same time feel secure as a single individual standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Hashem,